Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Thursday, January 25th. Today, Sun reporters John Ingold and Michael Booth are talking about efforts to convert more restaurant kitchens to electric cooking, plus a proposed regulation on social media companies in Colorado. Before we begin, a special thank you to all our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this day in 1998, the Denver Broncos won their first Super Bowl by defeating the Green Bay Packers. Founded in 1960, the Broncos struggled in their early years but became more competitive in the 1970s, thanks partly to their Orange Crush defense. Despite reaching the Super Bowl in 1978, 1987, 1988, and 1990, they lost each time. Finally, under coach Mike Shanahan and quarterback John Elway, they achieved their first championship in 1998 and won again in 1999. The team continued to find success, reaching the Super Bowl in 2014 and 2016, winning the latter. Before we continue, did you know the Colorado Sun has a mobile app so you can read the news from anywhere, whether you're on the couch, taking the bus to work, or in the car on the way to the mountains? Visit coloradosun.com app to download today. Next, our feature story. Well, hey, everyone. Happy Thursday. I'm John Ingold. I'm the healthcare reporter here at the Colorado Sun. And as you know, Thursdays are the days when I talk with my colleague, Michael Booth, who covers climate and environment for us. So, hey, Mike. Hey, John. Thanks for setting it up. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we, uh, Mike, you, of course, know this. We, we do a, a newsletter every week called The Temperature, uh, which covers uh, both healthcare, health, uh, climate, environment, all those kind of things. Uh, all rolled up into one package. So if you're interested in receiving that, uh, you can go to coloradosun.com slash join to become a premium newsletter subscriber for uh, the Colorado Sun. Um, but we'll talk about a couple stories we had uh, in this week's uh, edition. And Mike, I wanted to start with you. Um, let's talk about cooking with not gas, but uh, more restaurants and home cooks looking at trying to electrify their kitchens. Yeah, their electrification movement keeps going into different quarters of the economy and different areas of your home and your daily experience. And in this case, we are talking about restaurants and commercial kitchens going from natural gas, which a lot of chefs say that he absolutely love, will never give up. Uh, one of the editors was telling me about a TV show where the chef sleeps on top of their natural gas stove, make sure that nobody ever takes it away. Um, and there's definitely that set down so uncomfortable. <laughs> nice to mention dangerous. After it's cooled off a bit. Yes. Yeah, so let's hope. Do so. not roll over in the night and hit those <laughs> buttons. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not recommended by OSHA and, and other government agencies, but. People do love them, and uh, those of us who do some cooking at home, certainly not a chef, but uh, there is something about that natural gas flame. It feels so easy to control, and it does create this warmth in the kitchen. 
And so it's going to be hard for people to give that up. But there is a movement that is saying there are uh, great forms of electrification of commercial equipment that would replace fossil fuels and both the local indoor air pollution that it creates and also the contribution to greenhouse gases with electrified equipment. And the, one of the advantages they talk about with electrified equipment is the technical improvements that can turn it into you know, a computerized system that can have different temperature zones if you've got a very complicated and large commercial kitchen that has a lot of prep and there's different stages of the prep that require different temperatures. Uh, they're saying that there's really, as, one, as Chef Andy Forlings puts it, who puts on classes on this, the food doesn't care where the heat source is coming from, um, that it just, you know, wants to be hot and it doesn't make a difference in cooking a uh, pizza crust or bakery items or other things, whether it's natural gas heat or instant on electric heat. And that the advantages can be many, obviously getting rid of fossil fuel pollution, but also uh, saving money when electric when natural gas prices are volatile. The fact that it can be an instant on and you don't have to come in and warm up your bakery four or six hours ahead of time by turning on the ovens and then waiting around. Some bakeries keep their ovens on 24 hours a day just because they need that steady temperature. And that's a big waste. So there's some advantage to it. And there are people who are trying to kind of evangelize this idea around the metro area and around the front range. Yeah, that was one of the really surprising things to me about your piece is I, I had not realized that gas cooking was that energy inefficient. Uh, you know, I, I know people often say that that electric ovens are a little bit more consistent and, and efficient, but but I hadn't realized it was that big of a difference. Absolutely. Uh, the difference is, as you mentioned in the newsletter, we talked about gas being about 35% efficient in turning the energy available into actual heat and that uh, the newer electric systems can be above 90%. And that is a huge difference. I mean, if you think about that, when you turn on your own natural gas stove, you let it sit there for a minute. It might be boiling the water for a long time. It might uh, be on for a minute or two before you even get the pan on top of it. Um, you might forget to turn it off. It's an open flame and not all that heat is getting transferred to the pan where you have these induction stoves where the pan is sitting right on top of it. It's actually a magnet and it's a direct connection. Um, it's just, there are all kinds of different efficiencies built in and, uh, the ability for a kitchen to plan ahead there. He's talking about one area that is adopting it sooner are some of these in-between kind of restaurants where you've got maybe a barista who is also responsible for assembling some food and putting some paninis in the oven and doing some stuff in what might be a microwave, that there's an opportunity for newer electric systems there to create combination convection ovens and standard ovens but with a lot more control, a lot more computerization, and would allow these kind of medium-sized food stands and drink stands to offer a lot more food. So a lot of potential there. Also a huge amount of education that needs to get done. The stock show was a place where he demonstrated at the CSU Spur campus and tried to show that you could get a great sear on a traditional steak by using this electrified equipment and not just a natural gas flame. So trying to spread that word as many places as possible. We'll see whether cooks and chefs are willing to give up their traditions. Wanted to ask you about your reporting this week, John. There's a really interesting potential debate coming up in the legislature. People are indicating that they might bring this to the fore of a bill that might help kids and families control their social media use and uh, the idea of promoting 
social health and mental health in kids. What are they talking about as a way that might offer some benefit? Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of part of a trend where you see these uh, healthcare advocacy organizations that work at the Capitol starting to take more expansive interpretations of what creates for good health for people. So we've seen healthcare organizations get involved in issues around housing. Uh, we've seen healthcare organizations get involved in issues around uh, access to uh, transportation or uh, high quality food. And now we have an organization called Healthier Colorado, which is working on an issue related to social media. And uh, the basic argument here is that uh, there's pretty strong, reliable evidence that social media can often have negative mental health effects, especially for young people. There's studies that suggest that young people can and maybe even frequently do uh, feel worse about themselves or develop negative images about themselves uh, after using social media. Uh, there's concerns about like the addictiveness of it, and especially as that uh, relates to cutting into sleep time for kids. And if kids are staying up late, you know, scrolling uh, social media and not getting sleep, then that uh, impacts their schoolwork. But it also just underlying, un under, uh, uh, impacts their uh, underlying uh, just mental health. It, it can lead to uh, depression. It can really lead to a lot of negative uh, self-thoughts, self-thoughts of self-harm. So there's an idea of wanting to do a little bit more about this and what these advocates are proposing and uh, say that they have legislation drafted that has uh, bipartisan sponsorship right now would be a bill that would do two things. Uh, first, it would uh, create sort of a resource bank uh, at the uh, State uh, Department of Education that just compiles a bunch of studies and, and data and, and information on social media and its potential adverse effects that teachers or parents or, or even uh, kids themselves can look at to try to better understand what's happening here. So sort of an educational component to it. The, the second part is going to be the part that I think is probably more hotly contested and, and will be more closely watched nationally. It's uh, this effort to require social media platforms here in Colorado that, uh, and I should say operating in Colorado with, with users in Colorado, that uh, if there are uh, users who are between the ages of uh, 13 and going up through the age of 17, uh, and they're using your platform, you need to, after a certain period of time, show them a pop-up that says, hey, you've been using this for an hour. Uh, just so you know, there's potential negative consequences from this kind of overuse of social media. Uh, here's some information about that. And it's kind of these like little reminders for people to limit their screen time. These reminders would become uh, more frequent at night um, and including up to maybe as, as often as every five minutes. And again, this would just be uh, targeted at uh, teens, really, um, um, uh, uh, minor teens. And um, it would be the, the first kind of uh, effort like this in the country. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the social media companies respond and uh, whether this has uh, support in the legislature. So I'm assuming that we're not going to be blocking people's enjoyment of essential services like the Colorado Sun and journals, uh, <laughs> social media, but we're talking about TikTok, for example, Instagram, things like that. Yeah, yeah, th those kind of things. Yeah, X, 
Twitter, of course, YouTube, th- those kind of platforms. Do we have what their response has been in other places? Uh, obviously, uh, big corporations don't like limits. Yeah. So I, I think this will be an interesting place where there's uh, where Colorado becomes a test case because we have seen other states try to adopt limits on social media uh, uh, activity or uh, you know how they they treat uh, underage users or even in the case of Montana trying to outright ban downloads of TikTok from app stores in Montana. Um, and those have all been uh, met with lawsuits that are currently tied up in court. So one of the things that the advocates said they did here is they tried to craft a policy that would steer around those types of like ban concerns. They're, they're not banning it. They're not stopping you from doing it. They're just wanting to require these little pop-ups that, that tell you like, hey, you've been using this for a while. This much screen time is maybe not good for you. Um, maybe consider logging off, right? They're not they're not really forcing anybody to do uh, anything in terms of their own personal behavior or their own personal consumption. It's just, it's sort of a public health warning. And what they also say is that a lot of platforms, like you mentioned TikTok, uh, already have these kind of services as part of their app. They're just things you have to find and turn on for yourself. So they're saying, we're following the social media company's lead in, in the types of things they're making available for people to uh, better take control over their use and the potential uh, negative consequences of it. And we're just trying to nudge them a little bit to be a little bit more proactive with these things when it comes to young users here in Colorado. And it makes common sense, right? I mean, you've, everybody listening to this conversation, including you and I, have had moments in our lives where we said, no. I didn't feel good about myself or the world after I spent the last hour on that app. So I'm either going to delete that app or not take my, you know, my iPhone into the bedroom or into bed with me to read before I fall asleep. These seem like some kind of restrictions. Like Chris Keening put it in your story. Uh, I also feel that people do not believe this is an undue burden. So there's a common sense feeling to this idea for legislation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what Mike's here referencing is that there was some polling that Healthier Colorado commissioned using uh, Keating and uh, a, another pollster named David Flaherty, who both are really longstanding, well-respected uh, political and issues pollsters here in Colorado. And uh, they found just like massive, overwhelming support for doing something around this. 88% of people they polled said they felt there was a youth mental health crisis. 82% of people they polled believe that social media has a negative impact on youth mental health. And 75% of people they polled said they would support some kind of state law or regulation to impose requirements on social media platforms that would prevent adverse mental health effects for young people. These were, you might think there might be certain political groups that are more in favor of these than others, but it was actually really consistent, uh, strong, like 70% plus support across all age groups, across all income levels, uh, across people who are parents, people who are not parents, and across political parties as well. So um, not something that seems to be particularly controversial when you poll about it. Um, but again, sometimes the legislature you know, becomes sort of a hothouse of, of debate. And I think we'll have to see uh, whether that actually translates into to passing this bill. 
Yeah, we were saying a minute ago, we we're hoping that it does actually get introduced in the, roughly this form so that people can have a longer conversation, a longer discussion of it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the lobbying will be fascinating to watch here. Uh, expecting um, introduction on this potentially as early as later this week uh, or into next week. And uh, again, just one we'll be watching throughout the session. Thanks for reporting, John, and appreciate everybody listening to this week's edition of the Temperature Podcast. As we had mentioned in the newsletter, we are working on some changes to the temperature to make it even more relevant and useful for everybody. So keep an eye out for those and keep going to coloradosun.com for the latest in climate health news and all the other news that Coloradans need to make better choices. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah, thank you, Mike. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Mike Lynch has stepped down as the majority leader of the Colorado House of Representatives after news of his 2022 arrest for driving while intoxicated came to light last week. The Republican from Wellington made his announcement on the House floor Wednesday morning. Lynch barely survived a no-confidence vote Monday of the Republican caucus to remove him. He said Wednesday, news of his arrest has become a distraction. The caucus has scheduled another no-confidence vote for Thursday morning. Instead, the 19 House Republicans are scheduled to meet Thursday to pick a new minority leader. Colorado lawmakers are pushing Colorado Parks and Wildlife to define chronic depredation in wolves, a key step in allowing ranchers to kill wolves preying on their livestock. In a letter to the governor and director of the CPW, the lawmakers said the agency's refusal to define when it is appropriate to kill a wolf is causing unnecessary hardship for livestock producers. Under the final wolf management plan, ranchers will be compensated for vet bills to treat injured animals, including herding dogs, with up to $15,000 for animal deaths. A snowboarder killed Monday in the backcountry of the San Juan Mountains marks the first avalanche death of the season in Colorado. 67-year-old Dr. Peter Harrelson died after he was caught in an avalanche south of Telluride. Search and rescue teams began looking for him Monday night after he was reported overdue, and Tuesday they found his body under a tree. The coroner said the avalanche carried Harrelson about 300 feet before it stopped and he dug himself free. He then hiked another 200 feet before lying down under some trees and dying. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now a quick message from our team. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Jason Blevins. I'm the outdoors writer here at the Colorado Sun, co-founder of the Colorado Sun. Um, I'm on the, uh, weekly podcast with David Krause every Monday, and I also write a weekly newsletter. Comes out every Thursday. It's called The Outsider. Um, take a look at, uh, each issue has sort of early glimpses of stories. I got stuff on housing, high country business, high country culture, public lands, uh, public land managers, kind of just about anything kind of interesting and happening on the Western Slope. Try to get into it. Ski industry stuff. Um, I invite you to come check it out. It's one of the many newsletters we have at the Colorado Sun. Um, head to coloradosun.com slash join and become a member and support the Colorado Sun. Appreciate you guys listening. Thanks. <laughs>